0: So we are in this series on generosity. Thank you so much, Dave. And um, thank you. Yeah, that's great. And we want to we want to go a step further today. We want to take this conversation a little bit further and in a slightly different direction. Uh, Because we are convinced that true generosity in our world and in our life is what makes people pause and take notice. Because in a self-seeking, self-absorbed culture, that is what's normal. What is not normal is when you self-sacrifice, when you put someone else ahead of yourself, when you use what God has given you for the sake of others. That is crazy. That's what people celebrate and notice. That's what stands out. And that is one of the ways that we are gonna have an impact in our community and point people toward a God who loves them so much because that's the kind of stuff that stands out. Uh, I put, if you have your outlines, grab this. I put at the top, manage the gift of life so that you can give the gift of life. I was talking with somebody recently and we were talking about the difference between time management and energy management. You've probably heard plenty of people talk about time management. Time management, you look at your schedule, you try to figure out, okay, what are my ABC priorities and how do I make them work? Energy management, you want to think about this, that you have one life to live and you have the health that you have right now. Uh, how, How many people spend their entire life trying to build their wealth, so they spend their health to build their wealth, and then they spend the second half of their life spending all their wealth just to hang on to whatever health they have left? right? You have energy, health. If you're even here in this place, you have some of it. And the question is, how are you using it? It doesn't matter if you're 14 or if you're 94. You have whatever God has given you now for a reason. Are you intentional about how you use your energy? One of the things to consider is do you get energized during, during, doing certain things, and how can you spend more time doing the things that give you energy? The things that you do that you feel like you come alive, like the chariots of fire runner that he says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure, right? What are the things that you feel God's pleasure? What are the things that you feel like God has made me for this? And are you building your schedule around it so that you're getting energized by that so that you're doing the things that God made you to do? Or are there people in your life that give you energy, that bring energy to you? Hopefully that is this on Sunday, but it shouldn't only be this. Hopefully you are connecting in a life group, rooted group, and you are getting energy from other people who are also pursuing the things of God and the things that help you be who you want to be. And you might need to think about minimizing the time that you spend with people who are draining your energy because you only have so much, right? We're going to talk a little bit today about how you spend the energy that you have because you only get one life. Everyone gets 24 hours in a day, but but you only get the health, the energy, the passion that you have. It's just this one go around. Are you being intentional about how you are spending that? We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2 to get started. What I do on your outlines is we have a general kind of passage, just this Ephesians chapter 2 passage, and then I take implications you see in bold underneath those. Those are the implications that I'm pulling out of that passage, and I'm supporting them with a couple of verses under each one. Because did you know that you can make the Bible say anything that you want, practically? If you want to justify some behavior or if you want to go and you want God to tell you that you're doing something, you can probably find a verse or word or something like that that you can pull out and say, no, 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 look, 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 look. But what we want to do is we want to find the consistent themes in Scripture that God would want to speak to us to say, hey, no, 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 This is a part, this is the story of God. He keeps saying this over and over again. We need to get it. And this is definitely one of those things. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live and follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, just doing whatever we wanted to do, just doing whatever felt good in the moment, irregardless of the consequences. That's how, in this world, people have a tendency to live. And we were those people, like the rest. We were, we did that too. We, we all can relate to that. We were, by nature, deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to you, to me, in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. Friends, this is the gospel message. You can't hear this enough. You can't think about this enough. You can't consider this enough. You can't look at this enough. This is the sum of everything we believe in. As we move to Easter, I hope, I hope, I hope that you have this just on your heart and in your head all the time. This is it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. You did not do this. You can't be good enough. You can't earn this. This is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created In Christ Jesus, to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. The first implication that I want to pull out of that was from verse 5. And it said, we have been made alive with Christ. So live like you've been made alive. Have you ever been around someone that's just like, just dragging themselves through the day? And that's just not like one bad day. That's like the consistent way that they do life. Just just has like no hope, no energy, just kind of like dragging a foot through. And you wonder, what, what do you, I mean, you only get this one life. What, what are you letting get in the way? What are, you, what are you letting confuse you? What are you letting prevent you from making the most of today? If you have had an encounter with this Jesus, if you have understood his message that he came and he died so that you could live, you should act like you're alive. You should, you should live like you've been made alive. Look at this verse in 1 John. It says, We know we have left death and have come into life because we love each other. Whoever does not love is still dead. So there's a test. If you, if you want to look at your life and you say, I want to so, uh, evidence that I have moved from death, from death into life, that I have made this jump and I'm living with Jesus and his love is in me, is evidence of that is whether I love other people. If God's love is in you, the expression of that is loving other people. Have you heard it said that the greatest tragedy is not dying, but it's never really living? So live, we are called, we are invited to live our lives alive because of Christ and that out, the expression of that is loving other people. Now, I know people who have come to church a long time and, and they've come up and they know all the right stuff up here. But their lives don't reflect it. You, you, you say, you know, to someone that says they believe in all the right things and you have to tell them, you should inform your face because you're, you're giving me, I'm, uh, you're making me sad just like hanging out right now and being here, you know, or, or whatever it is. So, we want to be people who are made alive in Christ. I, I will continue, you know, we will be a people who will continue to push, to continue to do stuff because we are convinced that just sitting and knowing and, and hearing and receiving is not enough. We have to put his truth into action. Those are the people that we will be. People changing this community because, he, because his love so fills us, consumes us, and compels us to love other people, to do something with the time and the energy and the health that we have. I, a couple of years ago, no, several years ago now, I was working with a guy and doing some corporate training. So we would go in and we would meet with the executives and we would help them get from here to here and ins- you know, inspire, encourage the personnel. So one of the companies that we worked with, we, we go and we sit down and we're meeting. And executive after executive, and person after person, they keep mentioning this one guy named Russ. And they say, man, Russ, if we just had more managers like Russ russ embodies our values russ russ makes this a better place to live and to work russ oh there's russ this and so me and my colleague we're like let's introduce us to russ where's russ like quit holding out on we want to meet russ and so we worked it out at the end of the day that we got some time with russ and we said russ we just keep hearing all these great things about you everyone who works with you loves you and thinks you're amazing And as you walked into the room, you got it. Like his eyes sparkled and he just, hand was out and you just, it went from corporate setting to like, you're in a living room. You just loved this guy. And you wondered, what is it about this guy? And so I asked him, what is it about you, Russ? Why is it that you are, are the way you are and having the impact that you're having on your company? And he goes, well, I haven't always been this way. Actually, it's a, it's an interesting story. You want to hear it? I was like, yeah. He goes, well, I have a 12 year old mentor. And he changed everything for me. He goes, in fact, I used to be terrible. I mean, the definition of depressed, drunkard, um, feeling sorry for myself. And he goes, but it's, it goes back a little bit further. I, when I was first married out of college and I was so excited, we, you know, met the love of my life, we get married, and in our first year of marriage, she's killed in a car accident. And I immediately began to distrust God. God doesn't care about me. My life is cursed. He just wants to rip the things I love out from my life. And he says, so it it took me some time before I wanted to get in another serious relationship. But finally, I kind of let my guards down a little bit, and I did, and I ended up getting married again. But I also always had in the back of my mind that this could be taken from me. You know, God isn't for me. The things that I love get ripped away. And so I kind of held her at arm's length. But the more we were together, the more I started to think, okay, maybe this is going to work. Well, we got pregnant. And immediately when she tells me, the thing goes off in my head that says, this baby isn't going to survive. God hates me. This is going to... Sure enough, they deliver the child. The child, I don't remember what was wrong with him, but he didn't leave the hospital. He died at the hospital the day after he was born. And so, again, Russ goes to that place in his mind, and he says, God hates me. My life is cursed. There is nothing for me. And he begins to detach himself even further from his wife, just thinking this is... What is my life? He said he, that he considered suicide but didn't have the courage to go through with it. So he just lived almost like a dead person through his life. And his wife, after several years, they wanted to try, she wanted to try again and have a kid, but he didn't want one. So she did kind of, I don't know, the sneaky thing, ladies, that women do. And she, he thought that she was on birth control and she ended up having a kid. So Russ, whether he, didn't, whether he knew it or not, is now pregnant with their second which would be their first and in his mind he's totally detached he doesn't think that this is going to work He thinks god hates him he doesn't want to have a kid because it's only more pain and heartache so he doesn't let himself feel he closes off the baby's born and the baby's healthy and the baby grows and it's he's starting to play soccer this kid and so russ is starting to warm up to the idea of being a dad He doesn't coach soccer or anything, but he starts to kind of show up and maybe kick the ball around a little bit and starts to engage with his kid. And then, sure enough, his biggest fear. When the kid is 10 years old, he gets sick, they go to the hospital, and he's got some form of leukemia. So he goes into these treatments for cancer. It's going to be a long, painful process, and it doesn't look good. And immediately, Russ shuts down again. Worse than ever. He just is a workaholic. He goes to work. He works late. He comes home after dinner. The, his wife and son are sitting there at the dinner table or, or talking. He doesn't even acknowledge them. This is the pattern. Day after day, he would tell us. And she says, you know, his wife said, can I get you some dinner, honey? He doesn't even answer her with words. He just kind of grunts and goes, sits down and watches TV. There was one day, as Russ told us, that Her son had just had enough. He had been through the latest round of therapies and medical treatments that that were just hoping to prolong his life, but it looked like he wasn't going to make it. And the little boy snapped. And he was 12 years old at that time. And he walked in after the dad just kind of blew off mom and him and went and sat, after Russ did that, went and sat on the couches watching TV. And Russ said that he could feel like the energy of this little boy on the other side of the couch, just looking at him. And he didn't look at first. He waited a few minutes, and then he finally looked over. And his little boy is just like shaking, just shaking, trying to hold back all his emotion. And he has tears running down his face. And then he just shouts at him, I'm the one who's dying! And runs off to his room and slams the door and crawls under his blankets. And Russ says that something, something that hadn't happened before all of a sudden happened in that moment and something opened up or snapped or changed or broke in him and he felt like with what little with what little bit of normality of, of, of hope of love that he had left in him he got up from the couch and he went into his son's room that he hadn't been in in over a year and now he's beginning to shake and he's beginning to feel again and he's beginning to see how his behavior is impacting this little life that's not going to be with him much longer and he gets down on the bed with his little son and he just holds him and he breaks down and he starts to cry for the first time in a long time and he holds his son and he just says i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm gonna change And then mom comes in, and she's a little bit kind of unsure because she's seen him do these things uh, before, but now she feels like this is different, and she gets on the bed, and they have this family moment. And when they get up, Russ is a different person, and he he starts to make different decisions. And he left his, he didn't leave his job. He took a, a month of leave of absence just so that he could spend every waking minute with his kid. The kid only lived a few months longer. But, but Russ maximized that time. And he said that in those few months, my son taught me how to live. My son taught me that life is a gift. My son taught me that God is not for me, that I'm not cursed, that I can use the health and the time and the things that he's given me for good. And so that's what I do when I come to work every day. That's what I do in my home, he said. That's why I bring life to these people. That's why, because my son, my 12-year-old son taught me And it was powerful to see this man, this grown man, having such a profound impact on his industrial company because of this boy's attitude toward God and toward life and toward the preciousness of life. You don't know how much time you have. But with the health, the energy, the passions, the abilities that you do have now, use them. Use them for good. Make the most of what you do have. There's another verse I want us to read, Matthew 18, 14 and 15. It says, When Jesus went to Peter's house, he saw that Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. He was always doing crazy miracles like that. Then, look at what she did. Then she stood up and began to serve Jesus. Jesus. Friends, there's something about having an encounter with Jesus and having your health restored that makes you not want to run out and make a bunch of money. It makes you want to serve him. It makes you want to just turn and thank him by serving him, by seeing the fact that he's the one who just gave me life. He's the one who gives me the health that I have, the time that I have, the energy that I have, the passions that I have. I'm going to turn and serve him. And people have been doing that for a whole lot of years. That is the, when you have an encounter with Jesus, that is the response that makes sense. Last night, Hillary made dinner. It was a delicious dinner. She spent an hour preparing it. And <coughs> when we were done, I jumped up and I did the dishes. Now, she didn't cook the dinner because she hoped I would do the dishes. I did the dishes out of response just that I appreciated the fact that she had cooked the dinner. Now, if I never did the dishes, she might still, maybe, might still make dinners in the future, but I just couldn't help it, realizing that she had loved me in that way and cooked. To, I, it was just, I just wanted to do that. I don't love doing dishes, but when it comes to, I just jumped up and did them because that's our response. When you realize that it's God who has given you everything that you have, the simple, rational response is to make sure that you are serving him with those things and to make sure that you are not missing out on the life that he has given you. I want to invite two friends of ours up, Holly and Dennis. They are a part of our church. And in this series on generosity, it's been so exciting for us to see you getting, doing things, uh, having cash on hand in case you see a need and meeting that need, and inviting people into your home. I know of several people who did that and, and hosted and had dinners, give us your stories, by the way. That gets us excited to hear. These two, when they were as a, being a part of this generosity series, got inspired to do something. And so they have an idea that they're going to share with you in a second. But first, I want to just ask you guys, what is it that inspires you to serve our church and to serve our community?
1: Good morning, everyone. Um, I am just inspired just because... Uh, As I said during the first service, I've lived in Huntington Beach most of my life, and I live in a really nice area. I have great parents, and I have a great sister, and I just feel really, really blessed. And living in Huntington Beach, I drive down the streets, and I see a lot of different local businesses that need our support, that aren't getting the foot traffic that they should actually have. And so that inspires me to kind of create this project that we're in the process of that you'll hear about in a little bit. And then also... uh, I came back to Mariners in the beginning of this year, and I didn't want to be just a face in the crowd. I wanted to make a difference, and I felt like this series on fearless generosity was the perfect time for me to come up and st- step up with an idea and just get involved in, like, any way I could and try to help attain that goal of the 10,000 or reach 10,000. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Holly.
2: me. What about you, Dennis? Um, well, there's just something about giving that just, just makes you feel so good, you know. And, um, and especially when you're doing it with family and friends. So for me, uh, when she brought this up as an idea and I talked to her about it, my biggest thing was that I wanted to, uh, to just get to know everybody, you know, get to know everybody a little more. And I think there's something about when you, when you have a family that you're excited to come. So, for instance, like, a lot, like I know when I was younger, it was hard to wake up. I was like, oh, I got to go to church. Okay, sure, Dad. Here, Mom. But when I go snowboarding... I'm up before the alarm comes on, you know, (laughs) and so when you have friends and family here, it makes you want to get up, and it makes you want to go to church, and when people in our local businesses see us doing things like what we're going to be talking about, the cash mob, um, but not just like doing it, but with a smile on our face and engaging with everybody and talking like we're just truly friends and family, they're going to want to get involved, you know. So that's what inspires me personally. Awesome. Awesome.
0: So they came with an idea and Holly said, hey, I think this could work. I know how you want to do want to do creative things to really serve and benefit our community and let them know that we're here and that we really care for our community. And so will you explain what a cash mob is and what we're going to actually be doing next week?
1: Yeah. So I know in the previous weeks you probably seen cash mob and then we'd skip over it and you guys were like, what is a cash mob? So uh, it's basically the same thing as a flash mob, if you've seen that. It's a large people or a large group of people that get together and they target local businesses, usually mom-and-pop shops that need support, need our local support and energy. Um, and so we're going to get a large group of people and we've targeted these two businesses, the Avocado Cafe, which is right up there. It's on Main Street. It's probably their second or third location. They've got a great menu. It's very healthy for you. So uh, you can either go there or we have another location, which is the Huntington Beach Farmer's Market. Um, Many of you have probably passed by that and haven't recognized it. It's now uh, a supermarket held by a small family that's probably their only income and they have great food that a lot of supermarkets don't have and uh, so basically we just spend a minimum of 10 to 20 dollars at either location you guys can choose and you either get a meal that is great or you guys can grab some groceries and meet new faces and socialize and yeah
2: what's great about this is that uh you know, a lot of us, either we, we all go out with our family and eat, or we go home and we eat. So this is a good way to get the family together. Even people that haven't gone to church, you can say, hey, meet us after church. We're all going to go to the avocado cafe and have a meal. Um, or I know everyone does some shopping during the week, so you could save your shopping for one week. Decide to uh, come here and uh, do your shopping here. Like, like Holly was saying, they have great, great, uh, first off, prices and a lot of places, like things you can't get in your no- local uh, grocery store so it should be pretty cool
1: Thank you. so we're really excited and we really hope that you guys will come out it's next weekend uh, right after service and it's going to be at 1230 at both times we're going to meet in front of each location whichever one you guys decide to choose Um, I'll be at one location he'll be at another and um, feel free after service to ask us any questions if you guys are a little confused I know it's kind of a new concept so Love
0: love it thank you guys We're just all about fun stuff. Today, you get green pancakes, and next week, you get either groceries or avocado cafe food, right? So hopefully, you rally. I mean, really, this, this, you know, plan on doing your meal or doing your shopping at those places. It will be awesome. Why? Because we want to take this generosity stuff and put it into practice. You're going to have a meal, and you're going to get some groceries anyway, so let's do it together. We'll give you some, like, uh, Easter flyers, and you can just mob over there, and meet some new people that you didn't know, and bless a business, because we care about the community that we're in. So that will be awesome. We, and bring us your ideas. We, we like to just keep doing fun stuff that blesses our community. So And appreciate their passion and enthusiasm. Have you heard of the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea in the Middle East? There are two bodies of water. One is the Sea of Galilee. It's up to the north. From the Sea of Galilee, water flows in to the Sea of Galilee. Water flows out of the Sea of Galilee and into the Dead Sea. The sea of Galilee is vibrant and fresh. The sea, The Dead Sea is dead. And if you ever go or you look at it online, you can't actually like submerge yourself in the water because it's so dense with salt that you just kind of buoy up to the top. And there's no living thing that can survive in it. It's the Dead Sea. It's the Dead Sea because while there's water flowing in, there's no water flowing out. Similarly, even though you're you might be here, you might, you might hear good things, you might believe right truths. If you are not giving your life away, you will slowly die from the inside. You were designed to receive and to give. If you are just a sponge, you're gonna get bloated. <laughs> and you're gonna be like this dead sea that nothing can survive in. To be vibrant, to be healthy, to be fully alive, you need to receive and then you need to let that gift flow back through you to other people. That's the way this life is meant to work. That's the way God designed us. Our second implication that I want to bring to our attention is from verses seven through nine, and it's to live humbly in grace. Because it's by grace you have been saved through faith, not your own works. It's nothing that you can do, it's a gift. From God. So we should have that posture, have that attitude, that it's humbly that we use our energy, our passion, our health that we have to serve others. Look at this next verse in Colossians. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's God that you are serving. You think that you're just gonna rally because, okay, uh, they're good looking kids and they seem like they're passionate and, okay, Caleb wants us to do this. So you think that you might just be going along with the vision of Huntington, of our church to reach our community. You're actually serving your God. Do everything as unto him. It's him that you are serving. It's him who has given you your health and your life and your passions. Use those, and when you do, you're actually serving him. You think that you're just out there, you know, being nice and friendly, handing out donuts. You're actually serving God. You think that you're just standing at the, at the, ta- at the doors, that's what those are, they're doors, <laughs> and, and smiling and being friendly. You're actually serving your God. You think that you're just going to work and going through the motions and punching the clock and doing the thing. You're not. You're actually serving your God. And everything that you do, serve him. Remember that um, quote from Gladiator? He says, what you do in life echoes in eternity. It's true. The things that you do, how you spend your time and your energy in this life, it has a ripple effect in eternity. It is, it's ongoing. He says that there will be, you will receive an inheritance from the, from the Lord as a reward. There is something that keeps on, there's something else beyond what we can see. The implications go further. So serve, use what he's given you because it's not just here. It's not just what you see. There, there are eternal implications to this. Romans 12, one says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and pro- proper worship. You say, well, no, 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 we just worship because there was music and, and praise songs and, and I might have lifted my hands or something like that. That's worship. No, no, no. Yes, that's, that's a form of worship through song. But we are invited to live our whole lives as a living sacrifice of worship to God. Yeah, but I just work at, you know, Boeing. Like, what, how, how do I, you know, what, when you do what you do with God in mind, it is worship. Whatever it is that you do, whatever you do, when you do it for him, when you use the ways that he's given you as an offering to him and in service of others, that is worship. That is what he wants for your life. That is what our lives are about. And then the third thing, live out how God designed you. That's from verse 10 that says, we are God's handiwork and he prepared good works for us in advance. Remember, we're all the same and we're all totally different. We're all the same in that we're created by God and that we have this broken kind of sin problem and that we all need a savior and he's made you totally uniquely. You have gifts and abilities that I don't have he wired you in a particular way for a particular reason, and he wants you to use what he's given you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That's not just Jeremiah. God has appointed you for something too. Yeah, but I'm not in ministry. I'm not, I don't get paid by a church or, or FCA or something like that. No, 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 no. God has given you the things that he's given you and he's appointed you for something, for something in particular, to to use your life in his service in a unique way that only you can do. He's appointed you. He's made you to live your life on purpose, to use the gifts and the abilities that he's given you, the health and the energy that you have. He's made you that way. I got our taxes done this past week. Steve, the guy who helps us with our taxes, God has wired him in a particular way and he serves us and many others in that respect, in, in, in a vocation that I could not do. You heard about Graham and his passion for volleyball and things like that. God, Graham is using those gifts to serve. We have someone named Chris here. You know what, she, she shows up here every single week and she does the coffee every single week so that you can enjoy coffee and be here. She's decided that God has wired her in a way that she can serve you and she wants to use that gift week in and week out. We have friendly people like I saw Casey at the door today with smiling faces and warmth that are using their giftings because because she's just a likable person. And so we want to put her at the door so you can be welcomed by someone fun. We have people that are, are serving in all kinds of ways. Elton is going to build a cross for us for that, for that Good Friday experience so that when you walk from station to station, you can come to a cross and you can be remembered of what Jesus did and you can have a moment right there. And you'll know that Elton, I don't know why that makes me emotional, but that Elton took a day to build that for you so that you could have that experience. We have countless people in our our church in our community that are using some some little thing that God gave them and gifted them in some way to serve you so that you can encounter God in some way. And you all have that ability, whatever it looks like. You all have that ability to to use how he's made you to benefit other people. Here on Sunday, sure, and all through the week. I want to show you something. Jonathan, let's fire up this little magic thing. This is kind of how we structure our church. We try to keep it really simple around here. We want everyone to come in to feel connected. Most people come in through this on Sundays, the weekend service. Not everybody. Some of you came through because you heard about Rooted or because you went to someone's life group and you thought that they were cool or because you went and served with someone in the Chili Van or some other way and that was the way you got introduced to us, and that's fantastic. However you get, however you get here, we want you to be a part of this experience. So there's obviously a bunch of different ways from setup up and tear down to working in the back, to working up here, to on the patio. There's all kinds of ways that you can serve and use your giftings here on, on the weekend in this place. We also then want everyone to go through Rooted, which is our on-ramp to life groups, you can serve by helping out with Rooted or by being a life group leader. And if you have leadership gifts, that would be a fantastic way once you kind of are a part of the community to get involved that way. And then we hope that our, everyone, including each p- person in all of our life groups, are out then serving in our community, doing outreach type things. Like the Chili Van, like the Cash Mob, like tutoring on, tutoring at uh, Pacific Ranch, or what, no, not Pacific Ranch, Pacific Courts. They're different. Uh, tutoring or u- using whatever gifts that you have. There's, there's so many opportunities. And there's, there's ways that you can serve in this community that we haven't thought of yet. And we need you to tell us what they are. There's ways that you might know about, there's things you might already be doing that we can invite other people to, and that's what we want to see. We keep impacting our community so that people can come back through, come on the weekend, get into a group, and do life together, and we keep doing that over and over again because we're convinced that that's how we grow. We grow in the context of community, and we grow as we do stuff. You will not grow. You will reach a saturation point if you just keep hearing and hearing and hearing, It's when you step out and put it into practice and put yourself out there and risk whatever the fears are. That's when you really start to grow, and we want to invite you into that. That's a little glimpse of what it looks like so that you can be serving in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of capacities, all during the week. Some of you are like, you're holding out. You've You've been here a little while now, and you're like, well, I'll start serving when... Like when we get into our own building, we have this like, own, our own cool place and I can really do some, I'll start serving when I reach this certain like level of, uh, of, you know, standard of living so that I can relax a little bit and enjoy. Or I'll start living when I clean up this area of my life that's, you know, I kind of want to do my own thing in this area and I don't want people to know about it, but I'll, you know, no, 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 no. If you don't start, you probably never will. Just start somewhere. Just start with anything. Just start by asking God, okay, what's one little thing that you've made me to do and how can I contribute that to the good of other people? 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says, and there are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God works in all of us in everything we do. So there's no, listen, this is what people do. They go, well, this is my work life and this is my church life and this is my play time. And these are my school friends, and then right? No, 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 no. Have one life. Have one authentic life and let God use you uniquely in all those areas. You don't have to divide your life up like that. You don't have to be perfect to have the church life intersect the other life. We're all just figuring it out together. But just, just live one life and feel free to do everything you do can bring glory to God if that is your attitude. The last thing, is to live as part of the whole. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you has a role to play. Each one of you has a contribution to give. And when I was a kid growing up, I was, you know, young life. My dad was involved in young life and then I went to church. And so I would tend to compare myself to other leaders in those places and I would think, oh, it's cool that my dad's, like, the vice president, so that's, you know, he's cooler than the people who aren't. Or, oh, it's cool that, like, so-and-so is on the stage, and, and, and that's better than this thing. You know what? That's just totally ridiculous. I found that when I was someone who was comparing, I was the person who was miserable. When I thought I had to serve in some way that's better or cooler, which is it's just a myth, there's just nothing to that, I was miserable. Anytime you compare, you're either going to be insecure because you're not as good or you're going to be prideful because you think you're better, and you're, going to, and you're missing the point on both sides. Just don't compare. Play your role in the body, whatever that looks like, and in all things that you do, in all areas that you have influence. First Corinthians 12, 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other if you are still not sure, I want to read this to you. If you're not involved in any service or ministry, what excuse have you been using? Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair and all kinds of family problems. You tracking with me? we Can you relate on any level to any of our friends here? Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. That's quite a variety of misfits, but God uses each of them in his service, and he will use you if you stop making excuses. Friends, there is something for you. He's wired you for something to contribute to our church body and to the whole in every place that you have influence. And you will not keep growing and you will not be fully alive until you let him do that through you. I'm going to talk about the, you know, we got the pancake breakfast and we got a way, you know, that you can think about plugging into different ministry things out there. But first, I just want you to sit in this moment and just let God speak to you. I know many of you are serving in great ways. He might challenge you to do something else or different in that. Some of you, he's already talking to you and you, you know some ways that you could contribute to the lives of people around you in some way. And it's time to just take that step. God, I just pray that you would give us the courage to respond to you. I pray that you would help us to identify the ways that you've made us, that they are gifts from you, and that you would build into a, help us to, to build into our lives the, the capacity to time manage and to energy manage, that we can use our energy for the best stuff, for the stuff that really matters, for the stuff that will make an eternal impact, and not just the silly things that we, we tend to pursue. Sue with our energies in this life. Speak to us, God,
2: in Jesus' name.